Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name is Brian Klein, and we want to say welcome to all of you here in the auditorium and as well in the venue, and to those of us, you that have joined us online. Hey, thanks for joining us today. June 28th. It's hard to believe half the year's over, but it seems like we've lived in about five years right now. Not? Seems like it's gone fast, but at the same time, it seems like it's been like, what in the world? Is this year ever going to get over, you know? But uh, it's, good to, it's good to have you here uh, this morning. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at the church, and Adrian's on vacation, a well-needed vacation. That man works so hard, and it's, I get the honor and uh, the privilege to be able to share with you today. We're talking about uh, the book of First Peter. We've been going through that this summer, and uh, uh, First Peter, uh, we've been just going through, we call it the Market Up series, uh, Life in the Pressure Cooker. Have you been kind of feeling like you're in the pressure cooker these days? And uh, so it's been kind of uh, really uh, unique that that is a passage that, uh, that Adrian wanted to go through way before even any of this happened. And uh, so God was just leading and guiding him as uh, we go through this uh, uh, passage, this book. First Peter. You take your Bibles with you and, and you look at the book of First Peter and if you want to find out where that is in your uh, Bible, you go all the way to the very back of the Bible, maybe where you have the maps, and then you just kind of slowly go through the concordance first, then you go through uh, Revelation, First, Second, Third John, and then pretty soon you're there in First Peter. If you get to James, you've gone too far, okay? James is a good book as well. It's not that James isn't a good book, but that's not where we're at today, okay? We're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. We've called it the Mark It Up series, okay? Which we're giving you permission to mark it up, okay? We're giving you permission to spend some time, circle uh, certain words in a passage, underline it, make uh, notes in the margin if you have to, something for you to refer back to and, uh, and to do a study on. So we're looking forward as we go through the book of First Peter. Now, one of the other things that we've been uh, trying to introduce to you is a, um, just a simple, basic Bible study method called the SOAP method, okay? S-O-A-P. And my mom used to always say, Brian, wash your hands and make sure you use soap, okay? Because boys, they just don't necessarily want to use soap. We just, you know, we, we get them wet and we say, yeah, wash my hands. My mom would always say, make sure you use soap. So um, I'm wondering how, how many use soap this week? How many of you use soap in the word this week? How much did you use the SOAP? Now, um, I, I just want you to know, this, this, uh, this study method is a method that I've done for a number of years. I, I used the SOAP method um, probably in the last probably two to three years. And it's really been a, a very good discipline for myself. It slows me down as I spend time in the Word. And um, I just want you to know that uh, this is my journal right here. And uh, I will, I will um, in my journal, I will write the SOAP method out. 
I will write S-O-A-P, and I will, I will journal out everything that I um, uh, see in the passage, and then I'll write my prayer out. It really helps me to stay focused, helps me to stay very intentional, but this is the other thing that it helps me do. It helps me to look back, and it helps me to be able to journey and look back and say, oh, wow. This is where I was back then, and this is where I am now, and this is how God's made a difference in my life. And so, beginning of the year, I'd ask God, God, what do you want me to, where should I go? And I, I went through the book of James, I went through the book of Hebrews, and then in the book of, in March, I started going through the book of First Peter. Not knowing that that's what uh, Adrian was going to go through this summer. And so, in March 3rd of 2020, I have 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. So my sermon was all done. So uh, not really, all right? So it's, uh, I want to I give you a little, little background to this. I love this passage. Man, if there's any passage that you would want to take and make a copy of and stick on your mirror in your bathroom or on your refrigerator in your kitchen or somewhere, this is a passage that I think is always so pertinent to go back to because we seem to lose focus on who we are in Christ because the world seems to steal that away from us. So I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, and then uh, we will kind of break this down. We're going to just really do the study together, okay? We're going to do the SOAP method. We're going to look at the scripture verses. We're going to observe it. What's it saying? And we're going to apply it. And then at the end of the sermon, we'll pray. How's that work? Okay? So here we go. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. Which is also what they were destined for. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were, had not received mercy, but now you have Receive mercy. Are you ready to dive? That's the scripture today. And now we're going to walk through the observation of it, but I want to kind of set this up, okay? 
Let this set this up for you. I have one question I want to ask right from the start. What do you think is the greatest danger to the Christian Church of America today? What do you think is the greatest danger to the Christian Church of America or even across the world today? You may say secular culture. You may say the anti-Christian culture. You may say gross materialism or, or the decline of morality, lack of following truth. You see, Peter is, is writing to a, 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 a select, elect group of believers. If we go back to First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it tells us who the, who the recipients of this letter is, is going to. He says the chosen ones, the elect ones, the followers of Christ. But these individuals have been, have been persecuted, and now they are scattered throughout the region. That once, what they once knew, they no longer know anymore. Sound a little familiar? We may not be scattered, but what we once knew, we don't know anymore. And it seems like everything's unraveling around them. And I believe Peter is saying to them, is this, he's saying, I want you to know this. I want you to know that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the grumbling society, in the turmoil in your life, I just want to remind you of this one thing. And he says it over and over and over again in 1 Peter, that suffering is going to come if you're going to be a follower of Christ. But he always wanted to make them remember the key part of when suffering comes. Something happens to us. You see, the greatest life challenge that Peter had came back in the day when he was following Jesus. It was a night of the betrayal. You remember that night? He was betrayed and arrested. And right after that betrayal, the disciples scattered. They didn't stay together. And at that betrayal, Jesus was betrayed. Chaos was growing. Injustice was boiling over. Anger was dominant. Rioting was growing, and false accusations were surmounting. And it looked like everything was unraveling and losing any sense of stability. And as Peter was following at a distance, it says, he was hanging around by himself. And three times, at three different occasions, someone would say to Peter, Hey, Peter, uh, or, hey, sir, sir. You're, you're one of those. Are you not? You, you're, you're, you, you, you're one of those Galileans that followed Jesus. And Peter would say, no, no, I don't even know him. I don't even know him. And over three times, and the third time, he, he actually got angry and says, I do not know him. And at that point is when the Rooster crowed, and Jesus had predicted, and by, by 
Daybreak, you have denied me three times. And Peter, at that point, thought it would never happen, but it did. You see, the, the biggest challenge for Peter was in the midst of the chaos, he forgot, he, he didn't lay claim to his identity in Christ. And can I say to you today that I believe that the greatest danger to the Christian church today and to the greatest, greatest danger to each believer and follower of Christ today isn't what is going on out there, isn't what is going on in the news, isn't what is going on out there, it's what's going on in here. It's what's going on right here in our heart. Can I say today when we forget our identity in Christ we lose sight of the supremacy of Jesus in our lives and we forget about the sufficiency that we have in Christ and pretty soon we forget that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In the sports world, you'll hear sports analysts say this, this team seems to have lost their identity this team seems to have lost their identity. They need to discover who they are and who they're going to be. Why are they saying that? They're saying that because they have lost their effectiveness as a team. And the sports analysts are saying they don't even know who they are anymore. They've lost the core of their identity. And last week, Pastor Adrian talked about that life is short, right? Life is short, so get rid of the what? Get rid of the ugly. Get rid of the ugly and, and fill yourself with the beauty and, and get into craving the spiritual milk of the word of God. Why? In verse chapter 2, verse 2, so that you may grow up in your salvation. So when you know your identity, you live out of your sufficiency and you resist the challenge that is out there in the culture and then you live out a life of legacy for the kingdom of God. You see, life is short. And we have a tendency to get scattered abroad. We have a tendency that what life is as it once was and Peter recognizes what is about to happen to these select people, these elect people that are scattered abroad that they can in a moment of hard times forget who their identity is in. The pressure cooker got to them. The pressure cooker got to Peter as well. And the pressure cooker today can be getting to us as well. And we get so consumed by all that's happening around us that we forget of what really is the greatest good that is happening within us. And that is Christ in us, in our heart. Adrian had said this, he says, the, the holiness, what matters in the holiness is what, it starts in the where, it starts in the heart, doesn't it? You don't create holiness from the outside. It starts in our 
heart. So I want, I want to tell you this. Here's the grand observation statement of this whole passage. Verses 4 through 10. This is what I had put in my journal back in March. As you grow, you come to know and live to show your newborn identity. As you grow, you come to know and live to show your newborn identity that you are ministers of the kingdom of God. Notice what it says in verse 4. The very first five words says, as you come to him. As you come to him. Doesn't mean just a one-time coming. That is written in, a, in, in conjunction to what was just said in the previous verse, in verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. He says, as you come to him, as you continually come to him. As you come to him, not once for salvation, but that you come to him on a regular basis. And he describes who this, as you come to him, is as the what? As the living stone, right? Have any of you ever seen a living stone? It's kind of a, a, a statement that causes us to scratch our heads. You kind of go like, what in the world is Peter talking about? A living stone. And what he's using here is some descriptive words here. As you come to him, the living stone, living meaning this. It's a Greek word that means zoe, the giver of life to all things. Jesus is the giver of life. He is the living, living God. He is your living Savior. If you would put, if you would underline, as I come to him, I get to know the life that Jesus has to offer me. He is living in me today. He is living for me today. He is everything that I need for life today. As I come to him, he is my living Savior. He's not just a concept. He's not just an idea. He's not just a historical figure. He is the person that is living, resurrected, son of God that rose from the dead and has chosen to live within each and every one of us and become this life. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am your living. And then he also describes him self as a stone but that word stone is an interesting word if you look at the scripture it's a capital s it's not just stone little s it's stone capital s it means that that it has a a a, uh, personalness to it it has a title it's jesus is our stone he is our he's our rock he is our stability he is our truth And we can build everything off of who Jesus is. So not only is Jesus living in us, but he is living as the truth for us so that we can live our life based on who Jesus is as the living stone. As you come to him, your living stone, your solid foundational truth of life 
in a world that is filled with complexities and heartache and confusion, you can know that you know that you know that Jesus is the life for you and that he is the foundational stone for you no matter what circumstances you face as you come to him. Now, that uh, caused me to ask a question in my journal. What do I come to most of the time in my life? What is it that I mostly come to? What is it that I'm drawing my source of life from? What is it that I spend most of my time drawing information from? What is it that I'm really doing in my life that's really helping me get proper perspective of what's going on in this world? As I come to whatever it is, that will be the basic influence in my life. Will it not? As you come to him. Which then I had to ask that question to myself. Okay, God. Am I spending enough time coming to you to get perspective from you, to remember who I am? But it, it describes Jesus as this. It describes Jesus as one who was rejected by, hum, by humans, but he was chosen by God and precious. You see, as you choose Jesus, it's not going to be a popular thing to do. As you choose to come to him, it's not going to be the, that the world's going to say, bravo, way to go, way to go, way to, way to go to Jesus. It's going to be everything but that. The world back in the time when, when Peter was uh, denied Jesus three times, the pressure cooker got to Peter, the pressure cooker got to the disciples, but it did not change Jesus. The pressure cooker was there. He was solid. He was truthful. He was a stone. He was a rock in the hardest difficult time because he stayed not as his will was, but what God's will was. And he stayed the course, even though rejected by humankind. God said, I chose him because I knew he'd finish the race. I chose him because I knew he would, he would be the one that would be solid all the way through this. And I chose him because he's precious. He was his only son. He did that for you and I. He gave his precious, most valuable possession for you and for me. And notice what it says here. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, the beginning of verse 5 says what? You also, I underlined this, you also like living stones. Woo. So as I come to him, and I continue to come to him, what is the result? I also, you also, will be like a, the living stone. Have you ever heard the phrase, he's like the chip off the old block? Right? It's kind of like a chip off the old block. What do we mean by that? means like oh man that boy that boy right there it's like kind of chip off the old block kind of like his daddy kind of like his daddy why because because the boy hanging around his daddy and as he hung around his daddy he starts having behaviorisms like his daddy kind of walks like his daddy talks like his daddy 
has interest in the things that his daddy, oh man, he's a chip off the old block. And basically what Peter is saying here is as, as you continue to come to him, you'll become like the chip off the old block, so to speak, not disrespectfully, but you're going to be the chip off the living stone, capital S. You too will become like Christ. You too will become like Christ. So as you grow, you will come to know the living stone. And as you come to know the living stone, you will also come to become like the living stone. Transformation is going to happen within your heart. Okay? Now listen to what he says here. In verse 5, he says this, as living stones. Now look at, you, look at the person next to you. If they're a follower of Jesus, guess what? They're a living stone, okay? And, and you know, they, some of you don't look too living right now, but hang in there. I think you will. But, uh, but you're, you're a living stone, okay? You're a living stone. You are a representation of the one that you are spending time with, Jesus. And what happens with that? As living stones, you are being built into a spiritual house. So the supremacy through Christ gives sufficiency for us to represent the everyday ministers of the kingdom of God. You are being built into the temple of God. Here is the church. You all are the church. You are the place where God's spirit resides, not because of these walls, but because of you, a follower of Christ, a living stone, the supremacy through which Christ died and rose again, now lives in you, gives you the sufficiency to become ministers of God. And when the church can understand that, when we as individual followers of Christ can come together in community and speak to one another and support one another as living stones, we become this, this moving, massive impact for the kingdom as the church, a living stone. Notice he describes us not only as being built, but he also calls us what? To be a holy priesthood. Take a look at that person next to you and say, look at him and say, you know what, you're, you're a holy priesthood. You're a holy priesthood. Now, now you're going to say to yourself this. No, wait a minute, don't, no, listen. I am far from holy, and priesthood is not some of those, one of those things that I chose to take up in my life. Okay? But that's who you are. In Christ, in the supremacy of Christ, you are holy because Jesus paid it all for you. Now you are set apart to be the priesthood 
And the priesthood back in the Old Testament times was, was, had their role and responsibility was to be the inner, they would receive from the people of Israel what they wanted to offer to God and they would take it and they would enter into what they would call the temple and there was the Holy of Holies and they would offer that up as a sacrifice on behalf of the person over here. But when Jesus died and he said, it is finished, it says in scripture that in the temple through which the Holy of Holies represented, in that very temple, from the top of that veil, from the top of the veil to the bottom, when he said, it is finished, the earth went into an earthquake and the veil ripped from top to bottom. Because now Jesus is saying, now you are the priest if you follow me. You are the priest and you can enter into the Holy of Holies. And you can now personally offer sacrifices unto God. And you say to yourself, now Brian, now wait a minute. What in the world does it mean that I get to offer spiritual sacrifices? Here's what it means. Very practical. What you once used for yourself, now as a child of God, you want to offer up not for yourself, but for the benefit of others so that they may know Christ in a relationship. So this is what I mean. What skills do you have? What abilities do you have? What talents do you have? Where do you work? And what do you do? Men, you come home, you're the father, you're the, you're the breadwinner, so to speak, and you're all that that the traditional man uh, holds. But you know what? You're more than that as a follower of Christ. You are the priesthood of your family. You are the priest of the family. And ladies, you're more than just a mom. You're more than just a nurturing one that cooks the meals, you are the priest. You offer up that which you have for the cause of Christ. Now, now that we know this, as we grow, we come to know the supremacy of Christ in us, then we become ministers. You become a minister. Now, verse 6 through 8, Paul, Peter challenges us here. And he says this, For in Scripture it says, See, I lay in Zion... A stone, a chosen precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be ashamed. But the one, now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, this stone has been rejected. Has become the cornerstone. A stone that causes people to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. So here's the ultimatum. Peter lays out an ultimatum here. You know what an ultimatum is? An ultimatum is when you are given a proposal with a condition. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. This is the ultimatum. And he lays out an ultimatum and he says, listen, here's this. Either you are trusting Jesus all the way. And if you trust him, you're never going to be ashamed. You're never going to live in regret. But if you reject him, if you deny him, because it's too hard, you're going to stumble around and you're going to fall. It's as easy as that. That's the ultimatum. You're either in one camp or the other. You can't be in both. Peter just really kind of lays it out there. Verse 7 is key. 
Now to you who believe this stone is precious, it's valuable, and you're going to be totally invested in that. Now those who do not believe, it's a stumbling place. You're going to fall. You're going to lose purpose and focus, and you're not going to be effective. So we live in a society today where we read God's word and then we decide how much of it we're really going to believe. Oh, I think I'm going to believe about 80% of this passage here. And the other 20% is what I'm going to make up for myself. Okay? And I can give you a lot of examples, but I'm not going to do that today. But when we look at the word of God, do we trust it in its full entirety? Because when God says, this is who he is, he's the foundation, the stone for it, that's what he means. The ultimatum, are you giving into the pressure cooker of the culture today? Do you find yourself giving in and saying, well, you know, back in the Bible, that's what it meant. But, ah, you know, that today is today. And so we reject the entirety of what the truth says, and all of a sudden we lose, and we start stumbling around, and we lose our effectiveness as a church because we've given in to the pressure cooker of the culture, and we start losing our identity and our effectiveness. So this is the last part. The, the question is this. What am I doing with Jesus in the midst of the pressure cooker. In 2020, today, right now, what are you doing in the midst of the pressure cooker with Jesus today? Is he your living stone? Are you 100% following all of what he has to offer you? Or are you picking and choosing? Because if you pick and choose, you're going to lose your identity and you're, gonna, and you're going to lose your effectiveness. And that's not what the church is called to today. For the sake of the kingdom, we are called to be effective reconcilers to the world that is confused, that's filled with hatred and chaos. We need to be a shining light. Listen to the last, last verse here. But you are a chosen people. Look at the person next to you and say, you're chosen. You're chosen. Not because there's something great about you, because of something of a great love that God has for you. You're a chosen people. You are selected. You have a greater purpose than just the nine, eight, nine to five job. You are a chosen people. Now, now get a load of this your royal priesthood. Don't forget that. You're a royal priesthood. That's you. Royal priesthood. What does that mean? That means that you're the top of the line. There's no other alternative. You're the priesthood. There's no other option. And God says, I see you as royalty because Jesus lives in you. And he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he is in you. Now you are the royal ministers of God. You have a ministry. You have a focus and a purpose today. June 28th, 2020. And on. You're a royalty. A priesthood. And not only that. But you're God's special 
possession. He personally paid for you. You're God's special possession. And then he says this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Man, if there's anything that we as a church can do in the darkest of times that we're living in right now is declare the brightest light of Jesus Christ that, that changed us to give hope and purpose and life for those out there that are stumbling and falling in lack of focus and not even knowing what they're doing and why they're doing it anymore. They're just caught up in chaos. And yet we as a church can be the reconciling factor for all mankind, no matter race, no matter color, no matter social status, no matter political status, no matter what, the church, you, the ministers, are the difference makers for the kingdom. Amen? You are the difference makers in that. I wrap it up by this. Peter denied Christ three times. And after he denied Jesus three times, he was dejected and he stumbled and, and he, he gave in to the pressure cooker, did he not? And he resorted to going back to do the very thing that he only knew what to do. And he was fishing. And Jesus rose again from the dead and he was walking on the earth and he comes and he meets Peter at the lake where Peter was fishing. He didn't come to Peter to shame Peter. He came to Peter to restore him. He came to Peter to reconcile with him. He came to Peter to help him to re-identify who he was in Christ. And he sits down with Peter around the fire and fish are being cooked there. And he has this conversation with Peter. And he asks him three questions. Peter, man, do you love me more than these? Peter answered, well, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me more than these? Lord, you, you know. And he asked the third time, and Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And then Jesus says this, that feed my sheep. Be minister for me. Today you may be here saying, you know what? I've lost sight of my identity. I have let the chaos of the world steal my identity in Christ. I have lost all the focus of who I am to be. I've even lost the fact that I have, I've actually am called into the priesthood. I'm called to be a minister where I am in my life. And I say to you today that Jesus comes to you and all he wants to say to you is this. Hey, I know that you got caught up into the culture, the brokenness of the culture, and it's affected you and the pressure cooker got to you and you compromised and you denied and you gave in to the world, but I want you to know I'm here to restore you and reconcile you today. Do you, do you love me? more than the culture? Do you love me more than being just accepted by the world? Do you love me more than these? Because that's your true identity. 
The greatest danger in the church and in each and every one of us starts right here in the heart. It goes on in the heart and it determines our identity. And when you know your identity, you're impacted by the supremacy of Christ in you. And you become this, these living stones. You become the chip off of Jesus. And you become ministers and you make an impact no matter where you are. Together you will leave a spiritual legacy that will last for the kingdom forever. That's the application for us. How well am I living out what I have within my life today?